Hey, you are now listening to the Graceway Podcast. Let's talk. Uh, good morning, everyone, or good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are. This is a podcast for crying out loud. Welcome to Let's Talk. And uh, Pastor Tim, you and I both have been on the road lately, so it seems like it's been forever that we've been here together. Yes, yeah, uh, but yeah. man, it's good. It's good to yeah. see you. And uh, what a, a great homecoming to see you on Easter, Yeah, which is kind of neat. That's what we're here to talk about today right. is the uh, Easter that was just a couple of days ago, and uh, you added an extra service. And I love the way that you approached Easter this year. And you and I have had this conversation on multiple occasions, <laughs> how hard it is for a pastor to come up with something new right. for Christmas and, and Easter each yeah. year. But I love the approach that you take. How did you come up with that? Kind of give us an idea of what's going on through your mind. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there is a little bit of the 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 bucking the system right of i know i'm supposed to and i even said that at the beginning and i'm supposed to talk about the resurrection tell you why it matters and how we know it actually happened and i just wanted to be helpful you know i wanted I and all that's important of course of course yeah, yeah. all that's important but i i wanted to be helpful and i actually i crafted three or four sermons and i gave all all of them, the notes of all of them to a couple of the pastors. You were out of town, otherwise I would have given them, given one to you. And I was curious if anybody would latch on to the prodigal son, and three of the four did. Wow. Yeah. So I felt, I, I felt like that was confirmation. And then as I dove into it, you know, the my son who was dead and is alive. There's kind of resurrection overtones to that. Very definitely. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I I was leaning that way, but you know, you feel like, am I going too far out of bounds here that this is going to, it's going to be a distraction. Yeah. But then, you know, when three of the four pastors given three or four sermons all said, you should do this one. I felt like, all right, Lord, let's give it a shot. You know, that passage in, in Luke has been a favorite of mine yeah. for a long time. Yeah. And, and honestly, this sounds kind of weird, but to me, I think it's one of the most theologically significant passages in the New Testament. Agreed. And, and because of that, uh, I, I want you to talk about this for just a little bit. And I know you explained it quite well in your message, but uh, you correctly said we often call this the parable of the prodigal son. Right. But the real title that Jesus gives it, it's the story of two brothers, a yeah. man who had two sons. Yeah. Yeah. Explain, let's talk about that. Explain that a little bit. Yeah, well, I mean, to piggyback your first, uh, I said this, Tim Keller says that if the Bible is a lake, this is the point in the lake where you can see the bottom. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's the point. It's Which is a much more eloquent way of saying <laughs> what I just said. <laughs> but leave yeah. it to Tim Keller. Yeah, leave it to Tim Keller. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but so much depth, so much clarity, and just even personally, um, once I kind of got my arms around the actual title and the actual content, was really, really kind of a deconstructing and rebuilding story in kind of my theological framework. So a really personal text for me. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, so many times we, we like Rembrandt's picture of just the prodigal coming home. Right, and, right. Uh, we kind of latch on to the idea of God redeeming the rebellious, which of course is true. Right. Uh, it's just not Jesus's point. Yeah, and, yeah. The, and the point is not as much about who goes to heaven and who goes That's to right. hell. That's right. It, 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 you said it this way. You said this is a this is a story that redefines who God is yeah. as Father. Yeah, absolutely, and. You know, especially with how much the family has struggled 
over these last few generations. I don't really know anybody who doesn't know somebody who has, you know, we, we kind of condescend, we say daddy issues, but have father issues. And uh, just acknowledging that the enemy wants it that way, mm-hmm. that, that father, it was Jesus's favorite title for God. Uh, and I, I love the idea that this is Jesus presenting the father as he knows him to us, acknowledging that we don't know him well or that we misunderstand him. Sure. Uh, we don't picture God willing to embarrass himself, be shamed, be dishonored. Uh, you know, we, we think about that theologically, but not as much relationally. Right. And so the story is, you know, as Jesus's stories tend to be pretty masterful at getting getting into the cracks of our psyche and our theology uh, in a way that um, kind of recasts, unsettles and recasts in a way that I think is really redemptive and helpful. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's it's such a story that uh, it's so hard for modern Western people to yeah. grasp the story because there's so much subtlety yeah. of Middle Eastern culture in the time of Jesus right. that you totally miss and miss the whole point of the story. Yeah, you do. And yeah, having just been in the Middle East, it was it's a little bit more fresh, right? It kind of made a little bit more sense to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so many, so many, and, and Jesus did this, right? Jesus did what we sometimes struggle to do. He contextualized everything that he said. Right. Was always kind of grappling with the culture and perspectives and, you know, was never just doctrinal for doctrine's sake, um, but was always um, using the culture in redemptive ways. And so, yeah, so much, you know, from the dad running to the, the property, not just being the land, but the identity to, yeah, uh, all of it. Well, and, even uh, today, you've just been in the Middle East. It's, it's hard to imagine an older Middle Eastern man running under yeah. any circumstance. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, specifically where I was, you know, these guys with the big mustaches and, you know. Hey. Just, yeah, yeah. No, no, I, I, I'm a fan. Don't get yeah. me wrong. But, yeah, always you, you watch it. it. Everybody's in a hurry except the older men. Yeah. Still. Yeah. And uh, and you kind of watch older men walk through crowds and they kind of part like the Red Seas. You know, yes. they, they just have kind of their own cadence and and temperament about them. And you can tell that they know. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, I, I didn't have any problem uh, picturing uh, the father in this, but in a more benevolent and relational way. Well, I just I loved hearing you work that story and uh, having preached on that myself yeah, a number yeah. of times through the years. Right. I knew exactly where you were going, right, but right. masterful job. But let me ask you a question now, because you've talked about how this refines God as yeah. Father. Uh, I think most of our viewers know this, but maybe some don't. You are a dad of three great kids, am, yeah. ranging from teens down to elementary school. Yeah, yeah. So what, what are some of the takeaway applications or pro tips that you would give to parents oh, to take wow. away from this story? You know, I... Uh, I, I love the resilience of the dad in this. You know, he is he is dishonored and embarrassed on both fronts, mm-hmm. right? One one son who's condescending and arrogant, and the other son who's rebellious and destructive. And his response is exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I think that especially for Christian dads, we always would would like to say that we could be gospel-centered in our responses, we could be resilient in grace and kindness. But I mean, the, the dad, who doesn't want this dad, right? Who doesn't want the dad who shames himself for the betterment of the kids, who uh, runs through rejection and 
dishonor to be benevolent and gracious. And so, you know, I don't, I don't think it was Jesus's point to create um, conviction around it. But if you just look at the dad, I mean, it's a great, it, it's a great example of who you would want to be. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit discouraging because uh, I think for me, this probably isn't where you, you, you were wanting me to head, but you know, a great dad who still had issues with both kids. Yeah, the uh, rebellious kid and the good kid. <laughs> and the good kid, yeah. And, and, and they were both out of fellowship with the dad. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's a little bit discouraging in another sense, comforting that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there are some some movements that say everything in your house is your responsibility and your fault. And that's clearly not true in this, in this story. Um, but I think a dad to emulate and I think just... You know, so many of us, we don't, we don't, our dad wasn't around or we yeah. didn't have a good relationship with. Right. And I think it's hard to become something that you don't feel like you've ever experienced or seen. Sure. And so the, the father with these two sons is a great um, character mm -hmm. to emulate. Mm -hmm. And I think that if he were, you know, if he were the dad, you, the poster of the dad you had on the wall kind of thing, you know, you'd be, you'd be in the range of a pretty solid, pretty solid dad. Um, so yeah, you know, you, you love him easily. Yeah. Right. And you feel resentment for him when his, his, both his boys are being obnoxious. And, and, and of course this is Jesus point. He's yeah. being accused of hanging out with all the wrong people. Yeah. Yeah. Being soft on sin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, uh, which brings me to another point, uh, that you made that I thought was so powerful. You said, uh, learn to repent for something other than sin. Yeah. Work that for us a little bit. That <laughs> you did a great job, but that that needs a refresher, I think. Yeah, and this was a because that's so hard. It's a game changer. We have a hard enough time repenting from of sin, right? Of of the obvious things which the younger brother emulates. But I actually think the repenting of your rightness, especially in the church, you know, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees whose identity is wrapped up in how right they are, mm -hmm. in in all of these ways, and he's trying to say you for all of your rightness, you're still outside of relationship. And I think that even today, we still have a checklist, theological, doctrinal, behavioral, relational, moral, now political, right? Uh, this is the way that you are supposed to operate. And, and Christians can really find their identity uh, in their rightness. Um, and we're watching the church, especially in the West, kind of come apart along these political seams. Yeah and uh, economic seams and racial seams. And, you know, everyone thinks they're right while division is happening, while love is not occurring. And at a certain point, you know, even, even if you can be right for the wrong reasons and you can be right, but the wrong way. Yeah. Um, I think I said that right. But, uh, um, and I think that as Christians, we have to get a little bit more holistic in our repentance that God isn't only looking for your action to be repented of. He's looking for your heart and your motivation and your idolatry to be repented of. And, you know, both boys in it had something they loved more than the father. One, yeah. one wanted the affirmation of his rightness. The other wanted freedom to go, you know, self-discover, do whatever he wanted to do. And they both used the father mm -hmm. as a means to an end. And I think that it would be really naive of us to say that that doesn't happen in the church today, doesn't happen in our own lives, that we, we see 
our behavior, our good behavior is a means to an end. It's why we're offended when mm -hmm. bad things happen. It's why we're offended when God runs us through valleys, even though he says promises to be with us, we still have this sense of, I don't deserve this. Mm -hmm. And that's a great red flag when you find yourself offended by God's sovereignty and plan in your life. I don't deserve this. Why are you doing this to me? That's a great red flag that you have potentially been utilizing God in what you think his standard is for you as a means to an end, like comfort, happiness, fulfillment, whatever it is. Instead of God is God is both the means and the end for a Christian. That would have been so hard for the prodigal, as we call him, to yeah. have accepted Absolutely. that love from his father. Absolutely. It goes against everything that he had understood in his culture. Yeah, yeah. And he was willing to come back, become a craftsman, yeah. work his way out of debt or whatever. Yeah, and I don't think there, you know, I think we picture him as being manipulative in that. I don't think that was the no, case I don't at think all. So either. He was running his cultural line of, I clearly can't be reinstated. I clearly yeah. can't come back into good standing. So I'll take I'll take the crumbs. I'll take what, what is potentially left. Well, we bust everything down in so many sectors of Christianity to yeah. obedience or disobedience. Yeah, yeah. Right. And yeah, it's 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 important to follow God's rules. Sure. We sure. can all agree upon that. Yeah. But you know, you've read a lot on on that particular passage, sure. and I'm sure you've seen commentators who point out that really this story of a man with two sons yeah. is part of a suite of three parables absolutely. Yeah. that have to do with repentance. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing that's always fascinated me about that, I'd love to hear your opinion, uh, the other two, the lost coin, the lost sheep. Yep. Uh, so what did they do to repent? Yeah, right, right. And And, and the answer is, Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> they allowed themselves to be found. They re yeah, they received their foundness. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. a good way to put it. Yeah, and that's really, that's really what we're looking for here, right? Is exactly, is a full embrace, a full and humble and glad embrace of who God says that I am, that I'm found, that I have a home, that I have a family, that I have an identity. Yeah. And it's amazing the in, the struggle, especially in the West, to traverse our intellectual theology mm. to an emotional, an emotional reception, yeah. right? A, a, a melting, a softening of the heart. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, you can have a great brain and have a hard heart. And uh, when it comes to theology and doctrine and God, and I think Jesus' intent in all of these is to get at He's not speaking to the head. Right. He's speaking to the heart. He's speaking to, aren't you moved by yeah. this dad? Aren't you moved by this shepherd? Aren't you, yeah. don't you find it compelling at, at a visceral level? And, um, you know, speaking of reading, it just drive me crazy <laughs> to read some of these guys who figured out a way to, to put rigidity and lines and, and strip the soul out of this thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is a, it is you know, I said yesterday, it's not intended to be a heartwarming story. It's intended to be a category shatterer. And I believe that, but right. it is still a heartwarming story. Well, and, and that's the category that is, that yeah. is shattered. That's right. The, that's the right. The fact yeah. that we approach it from such an intellectual yeah. obedience, disobedience thing. Yeah. yeah. And uh, really what we mean to take away from that is how much the Father loves us. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. No matter whether we're a rule keeper or yeah. a rule breaker. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Oh. That's a, that's, a, that's a lot for us to think about. And I, I love the setting, the Easter setting, and the theme of just 
come on in. Yeah, come on in. <laughs> and, and the end of the story, and yeah. it's, it's interesting because the, the story is a cliffhanger. It is. With the father outside the house, yeah. with the son who has brought more shame upon him yeah. than the other son. Yeah. Because the, the, the prodigal, as we call him, he left uh, privately. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, the, the other son has now publicly shamed his father exactly. in front of one or two hundred invited guests. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and that's... And the father's still there expressing his love, trying to get him to come in. Yeah, it really, it, it, it's a, it's a uh, scary might not be the right word, but it's scary for me because, because this, the older son cannot see the irony of his outrage. Yeah. And, and sin and er pride does that to us, right? I can't, uh, I can see why you offended me and, and not how I offended you. I can see that you should forgive me, but not that I should forgive you. Right. I can see that you're this or that, but I can't, I can't see it in myself. And the, and really of the two, the, the older son's shaming is more outrageous. Yes. And he had all the right positions. He had all the right positions. And all the right things that he had done. Yeah. But could not see his need. Couldn't see it and might've even felt like it was proper for him to correct the father, but in turn, he shames the father even more significantly than the, yeah. than the younger. Yeah. And uh, just, I think, the subtlety of religion and yeah. arrogance um, should startle a Christian who wants to be gospel-centered and, and humble in heart. Uh, it should be really sobering, I think. Yeah, the way that you explain that, I just see that as such an important story yeah. for the American church today. Yeah, I agree. With all of our self-righteousness. Yeah. You yeah. know, I've got the right position on this, I've got the right position on that, yeah. how come you can't see this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and nobody's trying to say you don't have the right position, but it is the acknowledgement. It's not Maybe, the issue. Yeah, it's not the issue, right? Uh, it's just the acknowledgement that you can you can be right and be lost. You can be right and 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 in the wrong way and and god appears to care about both yeah exactly and uh yeah that's the humbling thing right that's there. the humbling <laughs> thing yeah. yeah yeah well pastor tim man it's great to uh to see you again yeah, and uh just excited and Folks need to know next Sunday is a special day in yeah. the life of Graceway. This yeah. church turns 89 years old. 79. Oh, 79. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. We're not there yet. You see, because <laughs> I'm approaching that age. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And you're just the uh, the fourth pastor in those 79 years, which is yeah. pretty amazing in itself. So if you're listening to us and it's still in time for you to join Graceway the Sunday after Easter, uh, that's coming up. But whether you are able to do that or not, because we have people that listen to us all over the world, uh, please subscribe to the podcast. Let us know what you think about it. And uh, you can get this podcast anywhere that you get your podcast. Uh, let's talk. And that's what it's all about. And we will see you next time. Sounds good. Thanks for tuning into the Graceway Experience. Hope we can talk again sometime.